Hello, everybody. Welcome to the JF Media Show. That's right, the J-A-E-F Media Show. My name is Calvin Cavanda, and I am your host for today. This is episode two of our Faith, Hope, Love, and Wisdom segment. But first, how are you doing today? I always like to find out how are you doing? Wherever you are, how are you doing? And if you're not doing well, I hope that as you continue listening to this, that you start feeling better, whatever it is that is bothering you. Uh, I'm about to invite in the presence of the Holy Ghost, and I trust that he will comfort you. Jesus said that I will send you the comforter. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Holy Ghost is our comforter. He's our standby. He's our helper. He's our advocate. He's our strengthener. He's seven things. So let us open up, first of all, with a, a quick prayer because we are uh, going to be uh, discussing spiritual things. And I believe that we should follow due protocol uh, as we enter into this atmosphere, <clears throat> as we enter into the spirit realm. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I invite the presence of the Holy Ghost into this show. Holy Spirit, I invite you to take over this atmosphere, take over this space. And I ask you to take over the space where my brother or my sister, whoever is listening to this, is right now. Create a bubble around, create a canopy around. We ask that you open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive this engrafted word with meekness that is able to save our souls. And whoever said and listened to this and wasn't doing well, for whatever reason it is, Holy Spirit, I ask of God of peace and comfort that you will surround them and envelop them right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So I'm excited. There's a lot for us to talk about. And because we have isolated this segment, it used to be uh, the a pre-segment, a pre-show to the kind of series, <clears throat> excuse me, to the series teaching that we're doing for 2024 so far, which is let there be light. In him was life and the life was the light of man. So we've decided to do a spin-off to kind of have this one as its own segment as well, because by the time I transition we transitioned the recording from this one into a heavier subject. Um, it's hard to do the transition <clears throat> all at the same time. So we are doing a series right now, uh, a different segment, which is kind of like our theme teaching, which is on Let There Be Light. In Him was life, and the life was the light of man. And this is inspired. And right now, where the teaching is, is we are journeying through scripture uh, to see, first of all, based on, the, based on the revelation that you too can find yourself in scripture. Scripture was not just written for Jesus only, but it was written for those who would come after him in Christ. So we are looking at scripture and studying and learning. How can you and I find ourselves in Scripture? So I, I encourage you to tune in to that and, 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 and watch that 
it will surely bless you. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so there's some really interesting things happening on that side. And just so we can add is the series, Let There Be Light, in him was life, the life was the light of man, is inspired by two beginnings, two phrases where we see the word in the beginning. That's in the book of Genesis chapter one and also in the gospel of John. And the premise is that when God encountered unknowns, not that they were unknown to him, but in the realm of the, in the realm in which he was creating the unknowns of that time, the way God dealt to them in the beginning of the Christian story, God said, let there be light. There were four problems that God dealt with, that God was facing. And the first one he dealt with was the darkness. So the first thing he said, let there be light. But the earth was without form and void, uh, darkness, and the face of the waters. The waters were covering, were all over the place. <clears throat> so the other time when we see the word in the beginning, it says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. All things were made by him in the beginning, and then it says he was in the beginning with God, and then it comes down and says in him was life and the life was the light of man and then further down if you read in the gospel of john it says this is the true light that lights every man that enters the world so 2024 is a new beginning for you and i we've never been here so we need those two we need to understand what light you and i need to as we sojourn through the darkness of 2024 meaning not just the unknown but there is darkness in the sense of uh, the forces that we wrestle against. As Paul lets us know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in the heavenlies, wicked spirits in high places, all of that. But there's also the unknown that I believe right now, which is um, <clears throat> people not knowing what God has called them to do. And I believe that darkness can be enlightened by finding yourself in scripture. What did the prophets from Isaiah to Malachi say about you? So that is all in that show, the part, that, that, that part of the show. So I always like to kind of, to, 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 you know, advertise it here. But likewise, when we do the other one, we advertise faith, hope, love, wisdom. So with that being said, let us get into it. What about love? Um, our love segment, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about love, we're going to talk about wisdom, and then we'll round up with hope as well. Our love segment focuses on God's love to rekindle our understanding of what God's love means to us and for us. I heavily, I'm, I'm heavily inclined to believe at least I lean towards this reasoning that many times someone can bring up a scripture like, yeah, if you love God, even Jesus said, you know, the first command, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, you know, heart, mind, soul, strength. That's true. But one of the things that I'm, that I'm, I'm bringing to our attention is if you have never truly received the love of God, 
it is hard. How do you love God when you haven't even received his love for you? How do you do that? It's almost like impossible. And so a lot of people, whether even Christians, not just non-believers, people who don't believe in God, people who haven't accepted the free gift of eternal salvation through Jesus Christ. Come on. It's free. It's free. For God so loved, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have life everlasting. Anyways, even Christians, the word love, first of all, in the world sense has be, is a cliche. It's thrown around without much meaning and intentionality behind it. But even fellow Christ, even Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, um, we still need to understand the power of God's love. Romans chapter 1, I believe around verse 16 says, It is the goodness of God that brings men to repentance. No, that's Romans chapter 2. Let me quickly find it. Let me quickly find it. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Oh, it says, Romans chapter 2, verse 4 reads, And do you think this, O oh man, or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Romans chapter 2 verse 4 says, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? It's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. It's the goodness of God that leads you and I to repentance. The illustration that I've been using is you were trying or we're trying to tell Christians to give God a hundred gallons of love. But these are Christians who only have received 10 gallons of love from God. Not that he has not given them a thousand gallons. Not because our understanding hasn't yet opened up or believed that we have received infinite love from God. If you believe God only has released 10 gallons of his love towards you, and I come to you and I say, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And I'm asking you to give God a hundred gallons of love. You're always going to be running on a deficit. But if you believe you've received 100 gallons of love from God, and I ask you to give God 10 liters, 10 gallons, it's not going to be a hard thing for you to do. We can only love God as much as we believe he has loved us. Now, as much as we have received his love, then we can love him back. Okay. 
the premise scriptures have been using are from First John chapter four verse seven, where we find this phrase, "God is love." First John chapter four verse seven to twenty-one is 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 is, is painting pictures of different aspects of love, loving God, saying that you hate your brother and loving God don't go together. It talks about how can you hate your brother whom you see, but you say you love God whom you've never seen. But I love these verses specifically. In verse 9, it says, In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten. He says, this is how God manifested his love. He gave, right? That God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this, his love. Not that we love God. Wow. But that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And then let's come down to verse 17, 18, 19, says some very powerful things. In verse, 7, verse 17, first of all, let me first read verse 19. For some reason, First John chapter 4 makes more sense if you read it down up instead of top down. It's better if you read from verse 19 all the way to, you know, if you read it down up instead of top down. So verse 19, he says, we love him because he first loved us. This is what I'm saying. We love him because he first loved us. But it's one thing to say, yeah, God loves me. It's another thing to say, I believe it. And I walk in that assurity. I walk in that understanding. I walk in that um, conviction. I have received it. It's different. We love him because he first loved us. That's the difference. He started the love game. He, he, when, he, when, when we sat on the table, he was the first one to draw out his love card towards us. He, he played the first love card towards humanity. And then verse 18, because I'm now reading verse 19, 18 and 17. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfected love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Perfected love casts out fear. There's something I'm trying to find here. First John 4.18. Mm -hmm. It says, but perfect love cuts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. It says, because fear involves torment. But he who fears is not being made perfect in love. Then verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. 
And and this verse here actually is a good segue into the anchor scripture we're going to be using for today's words of love. Since love has been perfected amongst us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we. When God played out his first love card to us, he gave us all of himself in the person of Christ. He gave us the same spirit that he has. So that's why it's saying, as he is, so are we in this world. Not physically, you know, but spiritually, you know, spiritually. We have, so then he comes and says, there is now no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear. Then he says, we love him because he first loved us. And I love verse 20. It says, if someone says I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he does not, for, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? It's very, very, very true. Very, very interesting. Um, so, anyways, we see how, uh, let me bring that scripture here. The one that said, verse 19, love has been perfected amongst us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Hold that there. What's a day of judgment for you? A day of judgment is a day, can be a day of... There is, of course, the judgment that will happen at the end of the world, right? When Christ returns, a great white on judgment. There is that moment. But right now, in today's context, a day of judgment for you can be a day when things are going hellwire, when the storms of life are coming at you. It's saying, the love of God that it should have brought in your heart should give you boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. He's not going to let you be a partaker of something that he hasn't made um, he's not going to let you first of all go through something more than you can handle there's so many ways I'm trying to take this but hold this thought because all of this is going to become is going to, I'm going to explain it using the anchor scripture of Songs of Solomon that we're going but keep these three verses in mind. Love has been perfected among us. Let me see. Sometimes it helps if, if, I, if I use another translation. First John chapter 4. Give me verse 17. Let me. Okay. Let me see if I can read it to you. Mm -hmm. As we live in, as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we confess him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world.
Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. Let me read this from the Amplified. This will help us. In this union and fellowship with him, love is completed and perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment with assurance and boldness to face him because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist, but perfect, complete, full-grown love drives out fear. Because fear involves the expectation of divine punishment. So the one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected in love, has not grown into sufficient understanding of God's love. We love because he first loved us. Okay. Now, let's segue into the anchor scripture that we've been using to paint this love story. And I like that uh, the, Holy, the Holy Spirit inspired for us to approach it through the lens of a poetic love story, a romantic love story. Rarely do you ever go read Songs of Solomon, but it's become a book that I just go in there and I just read it and it just paints this whole love story that we have. You know. Scripture oftentimes calls us the bride and Jesus the bridegroom. It says he's coming back for, for, for his bride. We are the bride. It, it's always talking about then there's a wedding feast. It keeps talking about us, the church, as the bride of Christ. So I love that we're using Songs of Solomon a love story so that you and I can perhaps get a better understanding of the intimacy that we have with the bridegroom. So here's the story that, that, that we've been looking at. The, the, back, the back story is this. For those of you, I'll just quickly give you a back story and then off we go. The back story is... We have a shepherd king, we have a shepherd king and a Shulamite woman. They eventually end up together, but we're taken through this journey of their courtship. And what happens is the shepherd king represents Christ and the Shulamite represents us. In this story, this woman has known about the love of the shepherd king. She's seen some things about him, heard some things about him. And she kind of flirts with him, and, and, but he does, she doesn't know that he's actually looking at her. And so he's trying to set up, you know, approach her and woo her, but she's self-conscious. She's dreaded with condemnation. She doesn't feel worthy to receive the type of love that he wants to offer her. 
and this is what you and I face daily. There's a condemnation, there's a defiled conscience. We're going to dive into some things here. So, through the book of Hebrews, because I want to show you um, one of the things that stops us from receiving. Remember, the, the problem we're finding with Christians is Christians are trying to offer a hundred gallons of love to Jesus, but they only believe they have ever received 10 gallons of love from him. You're running on a deficit. You are better off believing that you received a hundred gallons of love from Jesus. It will be easier for you to love him with 10 gallons, to give him 10 gallons. It's an easier transaction. It's harder if it's the other way around. And so we're going to use, we're going to look at Hebrews to show us some of the reasons as to why we, New Covenant believers, uh, we who have been engrafted into the vine through the New Covenant, we are engrafted through the New Covenant. We're not engrafted into Christ through the Old Covenant. We're engrafted into Christ through the New, com through the new Covenant. Um, we can learn from the Old Covenant. Um, so this is this is this is you and I every day. This is what we struggle with: is this love that the Father is trying to give us, not feeling worthy to receive it, and it's only that love that brings us to repentance. It's almost like I know you've seen this experiment where they just put muddy water in a glass and they run clean water. And at the beginning, it looks like it will never turn that water clean. But as long as the pure water keeps coming in, keeps coming in, the muddy water just is flushed out. It's flushed out. Eventually, a glass which is muddied with water, brown water, whatever you want to call it, the pure water has flushed it out. This is the story of you and I. Romans chapter 5, 5 says, And hope maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. Oh, Romans 5 5 says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Only until the Holy Spirit of love is active, the Holy Spirit um, sheds abroad this love into your heart that a man can start to act differently. That a man can stop to beat on his wife. That a man can stop to curse people. That a man can start to walk faithfully. That a man can start to love God. It is not condemnation. Love comes to drive out condemnation. Love comes to purify and purge your conscience, as you're going to see in the book of Hebrews. If you do not receive the love of God, you see, most, most people preach this kind of gospel where they think that Ephesians says, we were dead in our trespasses. We were dead to him. If your spirit is dead, it says, if you don't have the spirit of Christ, you're none of his. You're dead. It doesn't matter if you're living in the natural, if you're still breathing. If your spirit man is dead, if your spirit has not been united with Christ, in the eyes of God, you are dead. And he poured love on us while we were still dead. And Paul tells us how much more. 
if we were it says if we were made alive if we were reconciled through his death how much more shall we be saved from wrath and brought back how much more shall we be saved brought shall we be saved from wrath we were dead he brought us back to life however we don't want to misuse the love of god but i'm just i just want you to know that the only thing that is going to break chains from you it's going to break condemnation that is going to purify your defiled conscience is you got to start walking in this love of god you got to let the pure love of god just come in and just drive out the nasty out of you with no condemnation i don't care how many times you fall the scripture says a righteous man may fall seven times but he'll still get back up Galatians. I guess Galatians chapter 328 says, But faith which works by love. Let me make sure I'm on my P's and Q's. Galatians 3. But faith which works by love. Mm-hmm. Where is that? Uh, Christian liberty. Yes. No, Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. But faith working through love faith working through love so this is a story of the shulam of the of the shepherd king and the shulamite i'm just going to quickly read it again and then uh what we did in the in episode one we started to dive into the commentaries of some of the terminologies that are used uh of some of the phrases so we're going to dive into those and then it's going to pictures into hebrews and we're going to see the power of what happened why you and i should have boldness i want you without a shadow of a doubt if you're in any trial to not think that god has forgotten you i don't care what it is i don't care what you messed up in get back to god the only person that can purify you that can cleanse you that can sanctify you is Jesus. You will see it in Hebrews. We're going, we're going there shortly here. He is still sanctifying you. He's still cleaning you out. The only person, and the only reason you can go back boldly to the throne of grace is because of his love. The only person that can pull you out of the ditch is the love of God. So if you fall in that ditch, the only person you can really call out to is Jesus. Just call out for his love. When you curse, when you, when you mess around, the only person that you should run back into his arms like the prodigal son is the love of Christ. He's still waiting for you. 
Come on. You have credit. Use it. Use the credit that you have in Christ to go through the process of being sanctified. Don't, I don't believe in, 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 in that we have a shorter leash with Christ on this side than we did when we were yet sinners. Maybe I gotta read that again. Oh, yeah. Where is that? Are you in Romans? Here. What is that? What is that? What is that? Let me find that. Let me just quickly read that. Oh, let me let me find that. I I need to find that. How much more shall we be saved from wrath? I use life. Yeah, Romans fine. Come on. I was right there. <laughs> I was right there. This is serious things we're talking about here. Romans five six. For when we were Romans chapter five verse six says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely a righteous man, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us, in that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if we were enemies, for if when he gives this contrast, he says, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled, to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Okay, so let's faith, hope, love. Faith, hope, love, wisdom. Okay, let me quickly read this story here and we can transition. I hope this is blessing you, by the way. Okay, so Songs of Songs or Songs of Solomon. The most amazing song of all by King Solomon. I'm just going to quickly read through it to get a backstory. And then we touch on a specific phrase that is used in there. But this is really good. Let him smoother me. This is her speaking. Let him smoother me. Smoother me with his with kisses. His spirit kiss divine. So kind are your caresses. I drink them in like the sweetest wine. Your presence 
releases a fragrance so pleasing, over and over poured out, for your lovely name is flowing oil. No wonder the brides to be adore you, draw me into your heart, we will run away together into the king's cloud filled chamber. We will remember your love, rejoicing and delighting in you, celebrating your every kiss is better than wine. No wonder righteousness adores you. Jerusalem maidens, in this twilight darkness, I know I am so unworthy, so in need. Then the shepherd king answers and says, Yet you are so lovely. I feel as dark and dry as the desert tents of the wandering nomads. Then he counters and says, Yet you are so lovely, like the fine linen tapestry hanging in the holy place. And then she says, Please don't stare in scorn because of my dark and sinful ways. My angry brothers quarreled with me and appointed me guardian of their ministry vineyards. Yet I've not tended my vineyard within. Won't you tell me, lover of my soul, where do you feed your flock? Where do you lead your beloved ones to rest in the heat of the day? Why should I be like a veiled woman as I wander among the flocks of your shepherds? She's talking about her insufficiencies and she's asking for second fiddle. She's saying, just tell me where you take care of everybody else and I'll go camp up there. She's not asking for him to come. But he counters her and says, listen, my radiant one, if you ever lose sight of me, just follow in my footsteps where I lead my lovers. Come with your burdens and, and cares. Come to the place near the sanctuary of my shepherds. You see, he's saying, if you ever lose sight of me, just follow in my footsteps where I lead my lovers. My dearest one, let me tell you how I see you. You are so thrilling to me. To gaze upon you is like looking at one of Pharaoh's finest horses, a strong, regal steed pulling his royal chariot. Your tender cheeks are beautiful. Your earrings and gem-laden necklace, necklaces set them ablaze. We will enhance your beauty with golden ornaments started with silver. Then she counters and says, As the king surrounded me at his table, the sweet fragrance of spikenard awakened the night. A suchet of mar is my lover, like a tied-up bundle of mar resting over my heart. He's like a bouquet of hina blossoms, hina plucked near the vines of the fountain of the land. I will hold him and never let him part. The shepherd king counters her. My darling, you're so lovely. You are beauty itself to me. Your passionate eyes are like gentle doves. Then she says, My beloved one, both handsome and winsome, you are pleasing beyond words. Our resting place is anointed and flourishing, like a green forest meadow bathed in light. Rafters of cedar branches are over our heads and balconies of pleasant-smelling pines. Okay. Now, let's get inside the poetry. Let's, let's, let's dive in and see what's, what's happening here. Last time we did chapter 2 and 3, and quickly it said, let him to enter into the door of Jesus. Uh, to enter the door of Jesus' heart, we must begin by saying, let him. We only bring him a yielded heart and must let him do the rest. Okay? 
God's loving grace means that he will be enough for us. We can let him be everything to us. We don't begin by the doing, but by yielding. Let him smooth me with his kisses, his spirit kiss divine. It begins by yielding to his love, his loving grace. Smooth me with his spirit kiss divine. This spirit kiss is what made Adam, the man of clay, into a living expression of God. That's the deity met when the maker kissed his spirit wind into Adam. The word of God is the kiss from the mouth of our beloved, breathing upon us the revelation of his love. The Shulamite, this is very interesting, the Shulamite doesn't ask him for power, position, or promotion, but for a kiss. Intimacy with Jesus Christ is more important than anything else he can ever give us. So, uh, that was really awesome. Then, your presence releases a fragrance so pleasing over and over poured out, for your lovely name is flowing oil. There is a wordplay with the words your name and oil. There's, 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 a, um, there's a wordplay there. But... Um, the Hebrew contains a word play with the words name, shem, and oil, shemen. Interesting. Now, this is where I wanted to get to part four. Draw me into your heart. We will run away together into the king's cloud field chamber. Let us get to where ah, I was cutting through all the, the underbrush, you know, all the thickets. Now we can just focus in on, on this. Draw me into your heart. We will run away together into the king's cloud-filled chamber. Now, let's look at the commentary on that, and it's going to lead us into some serious things for us to contemplate through the book of Hebrews. The Hebrew text literally means the king's chamber inside of a chamber. This points us to the Holy of Holies inside the temple chamber. Hmm. Mm, 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 mm. Do you hear that? Draw me into your heart. We will run away together into the king's cloud-filled chamber. She's asking because she's saying, draw me into your heart. But now, what this means for you and I, remember, he, the shepherd king, represents Christ. The Shulamite represents us, the bride of Christ. Now, this points us to the Holy of Holies inside the temple because the king's chamber inside of a chamber points us to the Holy of Holies where she's asking to be drawn into. Okay. Um, as I was reading this, Holy of Holies, I was led to go into Hebrews chapter 10. Let's go there. Let me take us to Hebrews chapter 10, and, and, and you'll see some interesting things here. 
Hebrews chapter 10. I get to have this right here. One second. Okay, that's there. And Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 25 reads. You see, what I want us for, and we're probably going to spend a lot of time here. Um, and perhaps this whole segment is going to end up being centered on only love. We may not have enough time to get into wisdom and in in depth on uh, the faith and hope segment, but this is very important. Hebrews chapter ten. Remember, she asked and said, "Draw me into your heart. We will run away together into the king's cloud-filled chamber." The key, and this is is talking about the king's chamber inside of a chamber. There's another chamber. The king has a chamber, but there's another chamber inside that chamber. And it's pointing us to the Holy of Holies. It, we can look at this as a Holy of Holies inside the temple. Now let's go back. Hebrews chapter 10. Let me quickly read verse 19 to 25. It says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold first the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Do you see everything that we, we, is in our, uh, our faith, love, hope, and wisdom? All those phrases are showing up here. They say, okay, let us hold first the confession of our hope without, wearing, without wavering, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Wow. There's a lot. <laughs> there is a lot here. Why can we enter into the king's chamber of chambers? You see, in First John, he told us that perfected love casts out fear. Fear has torment. He that fears has not been made perfect in love. And here he's telling us that 
because of this love that God has shown us, we read about in Romans chapter 5. God's love towards us. He says, now we have boldness to enter into the holiest. And how do you enter in? In verse 22, he says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. How? Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You and I, now, if we find a scripture here, Hebrews chapter 4 talks about Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 and, I, and I'm just trying to put a lot of scriptures together it says seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens Jesus the son of God let us hold first our confession. You see, there it's telling us confession in Hebrews chapter 10. Here in Hebrews chapter 4, it's also telling us the same thing. It says, let us hold first our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That we may obtain mercy and grace to help in a time of need. When you're a child, when you're in a time of need, you run to your papa, you run to your mama, why do you go to them with a heart full, with a heart, you know, why do you go with them with a heart in full assurance of heart, in full assurance of faith? Because your heart at that moment when you're a child does not have an evil conscience. Perfected love. The understanding that you have of love you know, Jesus said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more your Father in heaven? The word weakness is there. It's talking about infirmities. Who cannot sympathize? Sympathize with our weaknesses, infirmities. Hebrews 4 15. I, I'm, 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 I want you to. There's a lot of contemplation that I want from you. 
Mm-hmm. Our weaknesses. Hebrews 4.15, the KJV. In other translation, it uses weaknesses. But the, the more original which contains weaknesses is infirmities. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Let us find that word, infirmities. And let, let, let me read it for you. You know, this is a this is turning out to be an episode where um, I'm just calling us into a place of I want it to sink in. Infirmities. Let's find the original interpretation here. Asthenia. Infirmities is talking about a want of strength, weakness, an infirmity of the body, its native weakness and frailty, feebleness of health or sickness. Infirmity is there's, there's, a, there's an aspect of the body and then of the soul, a want of strength and capacity requisite. Feebleness of mind or body by implication of malady, mor- morally frailty, disease, infirmity, sickness, weakness. You and I, the best time for you and I to come and say, Lord, it's too much. That assurance. Lord, this addiction is too much. Is that's an infirmity, that's a weakness. The person that you and I can only go to to fix that is Jesus. And it's because of his love. You and I should not be drawn away from him. He's the that's like saying you don't want to go to a hospital. The hospital is for sick people. Jesus said, I'm not come to save. It says, those who are healed, those who are whole, don't need a physician. I'm come for the lost, for the sick, for the unrighteous. He's the one we are to run to in times of weakness. All of this is under the canopy of his love. Let us have boldness in the day of judgment. In a day of weakness, as he's telling us here, that seeing then that we have a good high priest who has pressed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold first our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize. Listen to the words it's using. Sometimes we just run past these words. He's saying, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize. It's impossible because he has been through it with our weaknesses, with our infirmities, whether it's of the of the body, whether it's of the soul. Because he was he has been in he was in all points tempted as we are. For him he was without sin. <clears throat> Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace 
that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Oh, will you and I receive that? Will you and I receive that? We keep repeating the story of the Shulamite woman saying, um, I know I am so unworthy, so in need. He's saying, yet you're so lovely. Come, come. She's saying, I feel as dark and as dry as the desert tents of the wandering nomads. And he's saying, yet you're so lovely, like the fine linen tapestry hanging in the holy place. You see, you're seeing yourself as that dirty water I was talking about in a glass, but you don't understand that he has the power to turn you from dark and dry as the desert tents of wandering nomads into the fine linen tapestry hanging in the holy place. Why? You and I have boldness to come and enter into the Holy of Holies. It is the goodness of God that brings men to repentance. Men meaning male and female, men and women. I don't know about you, I'm just enjoying this. Wow. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. But was in all points tempted as we are. And I, as I know I was talking about infirmity of body or soul. And I was like, someone here, uh, I just heard the Holy Spirit. It's like, yeah, I should address you. You might say, yeah, but soul and body is different. You might say, yeah. My, 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 my tempting is financial. Yeah. When the 5,000 were there, there was a moment where Jesus needed supernatural supply. When scripture says he's been tempted in all points like we are, it means each and everything that you and I has been tempted. The, the thing that I want, I want you to get to a place where no matter how bad, no matter how defeated, is to realize the first person you need to run to is grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Have that assurity. No matter, you get to draw that line and say, God is for me, who can be against me? There's a place you get to, you say, No, that cannot happen to me because I know He loves me. And you get to, you get to get to a place where you supplicate with God. And you bring his word back to him and you say, as for me in my house, this is what you've said. 
and we're going to stand on that. Many times God's promise is available, but it's those who come boldly to the throne of grace. I'll share an example of a man who did this. Moses, my goodness. It is for those who have this knowledge and understanding to come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and grace to help us in a time of need. It's those of us who will say, Lord, you said you've given the angels charge over me. I can never go out in a car accident. I can never go out in a plane crash. I can never go out by cancer. That is not my story. That is not my portion. It is those of us who come boldly and say, no, 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 no. It is written. Those who will come and say, for the sake of your name. Poverty, lack, debt, insufficiency is not my portion. For those who will say, my husband will be faithful and loyal to me. That, this will, that in my marriage, this will not fly. This will not happen. This will not happen to my kids. There will be kids growing up with the right character. It is those of us who understand that the, we have access to the Holy of Holies that come and say, no, this is what your word says. I want to show you a man, one of the greatest intercessors, and I believe that's why the Jewish people are so attached to Moses. The man stood between them and the wrath of God. But I want to show you, even Abraham, how he interceded for Lot. Man, when you read what Moses did, you will be fired up. Let me take you to the book of Exodus. Exodus 34. No, let's start from Exodus 33. So the back story is this. Exodus 32, the golden calf. Now, when the people, so I'll quickly read some passages and then we'll come to 32 to 34, and then we'll just wrap it up, right? Um, and the other thing I want you to know is that sometimes I can prepare and say, Lord, we're going to have, you know, be inspired by your words of love, faith hope, wisdom in one segment. It may not happen because I have to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And somehow, and that's what I'm doing right now, is just going with that tangent. I mean, going with that flow. You know, just going, let it be organic for you and I. So, but the this will be a space for you and I to be stirred up in four different ways. The love of God to stir us up. Faith, wisdom, and hope. All right? Okay, so here's a back story. I want to show you how this man 
went boldly to the Holy of Holies. And he changed the wrath of God. And this was in the Old Covenant. So, the golden calf, Exodus 32. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that we shall bow before us. For as for, for, for as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. Okay? I like having it there and having it here. Uh, it's easier for me when I'm, I find what I'm reading from my... Okay. As for, for, as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. Moses has become weird. He's spending so much time with God. And Aaron said to them, break, break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters. Bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in the ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and he fashioned it with an, with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. They say, then they say, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Can you imagine? Okay. Now. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is the feast of the Lord. Then they arose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings, and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, So this is where the wrath of God started. This, was, this is what kindled it. The Lord said to Moses, Go, get down. For your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which had commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen these people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them and I will make of you a great nation. Wow. Then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out? of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand. Moses starts to intercede. Why should the Egyptians speak and say he brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you sold by your own self, and say to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven. And all this land that I have spoken, I give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord relented from the harm which he would do to his people. Mm -hmm. Okay. Says, so the Lord relented from the harm which he would do to his people. Now, 
the Lord pulled back his wrath, but the Lord had also decided to keep back his presence from going with them. Okay? Now, that's 32. Um, then, The guy intercedes again. This is really good. Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses said to the people, you have committed a great sin. So now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, these people have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a God of gold. Yet now, if you will forgive them, if you will forgive their sin, yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, Blot me out of the book which you have written. And the Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. Now, therefore, now listen, this is where it starts to get real interesting. Now, therefore, go, lead the people to the place which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit for punishment, I will visit punishment upon them for their sin. So the Lord plagued the people because of what they did with the calf which Aaron made. Now, in verse 33, we see where Moses, it builds up to where he starts to intercede. What I, I want to show you that if men could intercede with God like this in the old covenant, you and I can intercede even to a higher degree with the new covenant. I want you to see that. Man could do this in the old covenant. We can do it even more in the new covenant, as we've been reading in Hebrews. Because God has now played out his card towards the card of love. We have more boldness to come to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and grace to help in a time of need. Now, this is this guy negotiated with, with God. My goodness. Listen. Exodus 33. Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt to the land which I saw to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it. And I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, Amorite, Hittite, Perizzite, Hivite, Jebusite. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. This is the part that I wanted you and I to tap into. This is the part. Verse, Exodus 33. Remember, the Lord has now held back his wrath, but Moses doesn't know yet that the Lord is not planning to send his presence with them. He's now sending an angel. So Exodus 33 verse 3 says, Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. And when the people heard this bad news, they mourned, and, not, and none of them put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, said to the children of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. I could come up into your midst in one moment and consume you. Now, therefore, take off your ornaments that I may know what to do with you. 
So the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Cori. Then Moses met with the Lord and listened to what this man said. Moses, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle meeting, which was outside the camp. Okay. Now, this is the problem. Listen to how these people did not go in. This is what we're seeing in Hebrews. is telling us we have boldness to come into the Holy of Holies. Okay, so Moses has taken his stand, pitched it out of the camp. Now it's the tabernacle of meeting. And he's saying anyone that came to seek the Lord was invited, free to go into the tabernacle of meeting, which is outside the camp. So it was, Exodus 33 verse 8, Whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. So they came and stopped. They did not go in as far as Moses had. You're asking yourself, why are certain things happening in other people's lives, yet you serve the same Jesus? Some people are not stopping outside the tent. Some people are going in to the Holy of Holies. Some people, anytime they have a problem, anytime they've done something wrong, they're going back to the feet of Jesus and saying, Mercy, mercy, grace, grace, help me, Abba, help me, Abba, help me, Abba, help me do better, help me not repeat that, help me, help me, Abba, Abba, this is happening in my life, Abba, I'm tempted. Abba, I'm dealing with lustful thoughts. Abba, help me. Abba, help me. Um, this issue, um, this attack against my body. Abba. So, it says, whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, he came. He said, he said, if you want, you can come in. It says that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. They stood at the tent and watched. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle, the pillar of cloud descended and stood over the, stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door and all the people rose and worshipped each man in his own tent door. Moses had a one-on-one -on -one encounter. Condemnation is driving you from going into the tabernacle meeting with God because you think his love. He says love covers a multitude of sins. You are stopping on the outskirts. You are not going in. You need to go in. That the Lord may speak with you face to face. You know the condemnation, one of the things that I see in many Christians today is they trust more a water God there is someone else to them than they trust God to give them their own word. So if a man of God stands on the pulpit, if a prophet, if someone says, Thus saith the Lord, brother, sister, the Lord is saying this, 
they trust that word more. They put more stock in it than going in to the Holy of Holies to say, no, Lord, speak to me. Speak, your servant is listening. I'm showing you where our hang-ups are. The understanding of God's love incentivizes us. It motivates us to keep coming back into the Holy of Holies. I'm trying to do something here. It's there for us, for you and I. So Moses went in and received the benefit for God to speak to him. But it could have been different if other people also went in. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. The Lord wants to speak to you and I as a friend. He wants to speak to you and I as a friend. The love of God, understanding the dimension of love of God, has been one of the things that has opened me up into what I call intimacy with the Christ. Intimacy, koinonir. A partnership of koinonir and ginosko. Koinonir, fellowshipping with him. But now, as you fellowship, you tap into another dimension of knowing, Enem knew his wife and conceived. The word knowing in scripture, the highest form of knowing, is an intimacy of intercourse, is an intimacy of fellowship. But that then opens the gateway, the door for intimacy of intercourse. And that's when life is birthed. You need to come all the way to that. As Hebrews told us, with a heart full of assurance of faith. Here. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold first the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises is faithful. The reason we waver is because we think his love for us wavers. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You see what is happening? Okay, so we're about to round up. Remember, the Lord spoke to Moses face to face. The Lord wants to speak to you face to face. Then this is a part where Moses just really taps in. This is he goes he goes literally into the throne of grace and he says certain things to God. God spoke to him face to face. And now Moses, do you see the difference here? In one, since the Lord spoke to Moses face to face, Moses comes in. Moses is in the place of God ushers in the first communication. He speaks to him first. And through the intimacy, the understanding, the fellowship, Moses gains confidence now to start speaking to God. 
Do you see that? God speaks to Moses. Now Moses speaks to God. God loves Calvin. Calvin now loves God. God loves you. Now you love God. So, listen to this interaction. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you said to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Do you see how everything is coming back full circle? Are you excited about this? Yet you, yet you say, I know you by name, and you have found grace in my sight. Moses is now at the throne of grace, and he's telling God back his word. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Moses is telling God that you don't told me that you know me by name, and I have found grace in your sight. Now, therefore, my goodness, boldness in the day of judgment. It says, now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way. Moses asked for four things. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, that I may find grace in your sight, and consider, right, one, two, three, four, and consider that this nation is your people. God had no longer considered them as his people. Moses is saying, if I have found grace in your sight, if you have told me to come boldly, if you're saying that you cannot, you cannot be, you, you are sympathized with all infirmities. Let me quickly find that. Let me quickly find that. For we do not have a high priest, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our, with our infirmities, okay? And he's telling us to come boldly. We have to be like Moses. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have now found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know. Show me now your way, that's one. That I may know you. Two, I want deeper relationship and intimacy with you. Three, that I may find grace in your sight scripture talks about god gives more grace there's more graces there's not only just one level of grace there's more graces scripture calls it manifold graces of god there's three and then he says consider that this nation is your people and god said my presence will go with you and i will give you rest Ooh. do you see how this happens says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Moses has interceded at the throne of grace that you and I need to be on. We need to be like Moses. And God finally, who had held back his presence, says, my presence will now go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses got greedy. This is how greedy I want you to be. Get this greedy like Moses. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Moses is saying, listen, I thought your presence was going with us. What are you talking about? That you? Moses did not know. Moses did not know. Did not realize that when God said, I'll send my angel, that God had pulled back his presence. Moses was assuming that the presence was still there. But now he says, 
if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight? My goodness, except you go with us, so shall we be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. Guys, this is interceding. This is interceding at the depths of a man standing. He has stopped the wrath of God and he is, he's bringing back the deliciousies, the, 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 the sweetnesses, the delicacies that God had held back from them. He says, how then shall it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are in the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken. My goodness, do you see that? The Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken. Guys, who is initiating the conversation? It is Moses. It is you that has to be in the courts of heaven, lobbying at the feet of Jesus, lobbying at the throne of grace and mercy. He the writer in Hebrews is Paul is telling us that you and I can come boldly. My brother, my sister, can't be like Esther, cast off, um, uh, 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 put on your royal apparel. I'll, I, I will teach us about that and you'll see something that Esther did. Ooh, there's a lot of divine intelligence in what Esther did. Esther, can you imagine Esther? Oh, I don't even want to start that right now. But Esther put on her royal power, went boldly before the king. He looked at her and said, mm, ma, 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 what is it, Esther? I will give you even up to half of my kingdom. That This is what we're doing. Listen, guys, Moses, he's just gone off and he's just begging for more. He's just, uh, ah, this is, I'm so excited right now. So the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight. And I know you by name. And he said, Moses gets greedy. He says, and he said, please show me your glory. Moses, come on now. But Moses, this man knew how to, this man pulled on a string of God. This is a man pulling on the love of God. He told him, no, you made a covenant to our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If you do not, if you kill us right now, if you turn away from us, they will say you could not deliver us, that you brought us through the wilderness to just consume us. He's saying, that is not you. You got to go to God like that and say, Lord, you sent your son, Jesus Christ. He paid the price for me. If he, if if he showed me love when I was dead to my sin and trespasses, how much more right now, Paul is saying, shall we be saved from his wrath? But listen, we're concluding. Moses gets greedy. He says, please show me your glory. Then he said, <laughs> then God says, I will make all my goodness pass before you. Oh, goodness. Pun intended. Then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. Wow. I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious and I will have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and leave. I'm okay with that, Lord, for now. Um, uh, show me your goodness, Lord. Show us your goodness. This is a man who's asking for the unaskables. But he's asking for them. 
This is a man who is going there with full assurance of faith because his conscience has been sprinkled. He's been delivered from an evil conscience by the blood of Jesus. And the Lord said, Here's a place by me, and you shall stand by, stand on the rock. So it shall be when my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. My goodness. Ha ha ha. Woo! Guys. Come boldly. All because of the love of God. Remember where we started? Draw me to your heart. We will run away together. Into a king's cloud filled chamber. The king's chamber inside of a chamber. We will run away into the holy of holies. You and I have access. Because of his love. I hope this episode blessed your heart. Yes, and I'm just going to quickly pray, and we will call it a day for this episode. And I hope this blessed your heart. I hope you start out. I want you not at any single time, no matter what you have done, no matter what thoughts are tormenting you, to not be condemned into going away from Jesus, going away from his. He's the only one. He's the only one who can pull you out of a ditch. He's the only one who can forgive you. He's the only one who will forgive you for what you've done. He's the only one who will not condemn you. He's the only one who will say, come back and love on you. He's the only one. Don't shut out the love of God. Let it drive you into his arms, even with your dirt, your nasty, your filthy. Just come up to him and let his pure water wash out the dirt out of your glass. Okay. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just want to pray. Thank you, first of all, for teaching us your word today, for bringing this word, for helping us, just for sharing the goodness of your word with us, for opening our eyes to see wondrous things out of your law, our ears, our hearts, are just every facet of our being. Lord, I just ask that any spirit of condemnation, we break it by the power. We cast it out. You give us authority to cast out all spirits, evil spirits. Spirit of condemnation, we cast you out. Spirit of fear, we cast you out. Your word says in First Timothy, we've not received the spirit of bondage against fear. We've not received the spirit of fear, but we received the spirit of power, of authority, of love, and of a sound mind. So, Lord, I pray for whoever is listening, me inclusive, that we will not walk in fear. We will maintain a reverence of you, God, but we will not walk in fear. We will not shy away from the throne of grace. That we will keep coming boldly to receive grace in a time of need. To receive mercy and grace in a time of need. And I join my faith with you. Whoever is listening. Whatever you're going through. I don't know what you're going through. 
whatever it is, you and I, the scripture says faith works by love. You and I know that God loves us. So we tap in, we, we strengthen our faith, we put it together. Whatever you would be living for, say, God, Calvin is my two. The scripture says, where two shall touch as a grain, it is done for me. It is done for us by our Father who is in heaven. What, what, what we shall bind on earth, whatsoever two of us shall bind on earth, it is bound in heaven. What we lose is loose. Whatever you need to agree, as long as it's according to the will of God, you can use my name as your two. As your number two. Say, Lord, Calvin agrees with me. It's healing, provision, safety, deliverance, whatever it is. First John 5 says, this is the assurance, the confidence we have. And if we ask anything according to his name, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we, have, we are assured that we have the petitions that we desire of him. So, I come in agreement with you as your number two. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And I'm just excited, man. And uh, it's going to be a lot. A lot is coming down the pipeline. You and I. I'm going to flip the pages. As you can see, I got my, I got two Bibles here. I got my, I got a phone Bible in here and I got another one on my old phone here. So got some scriptures on the screen here. I just want us to just tap into this understanding. You and I, that we may be set free by this engrafted word of meekness. Now, just to quickly close you out with a benediction to send you all. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. And lastly, this was episode two of our Faith, Hope, Love, Wisdom segment of the show. And your host for, for this episode, my, again, my name is Calvin Kavanda. I was your host for today. And I hope, we hope that this episode blessed your heart. Grace, mercy, peace be multiplied unto you. And may the Lord bless you and keep you from the evil one. Thank you for tuning into this show and see you on the next episode. Goodbye.